Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Hewlett Packard Enterprise. At CDW, we get modern servers need to be flexible, flexible, scalable, and predictable. I predicted you'd say that. Okay, what would I say next? Probably something about server security. Impressive and freaky. CDW can implement secure Hewlett Packard Enterprise Gen 10 servers that improve speed and performance while reducing while reducing costs. See, predictable. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. I predict a web address. CDW.com slash HPE. I'm in your mind, man. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the Waterline podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. People ask me all the time, Shane, what's the future look like? Are we going to flourish? Are we are we going to drive ourselves to extinction? Are we going to destroy everything? Are we going to create heaven on earth? A big part of that incredibly complicated question is water. Water is absolutely fundamental to life. And knowing what is going on with water, the various technologies, the economics, political, social, behavioral, technological, and environmental aspects of water around the globe is really fundamental to understanding questions like that. And if you guys are into science and learning about things that affect our lives and the world, which I know you are, I believe the Waterline podcast is for for you. I just finished a episode called Water for All regulation all about comparing the different regulations in different areas like the Israeli water law passed in 1959 and comparing how their system of of regulating water compares to California's model of regulating and how We might work together to figure out the best pros and the cons of different systems all around the world. Very, very important stuff. Please check out the Waterline podcast on your Android app and at the iTunes store. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading. Today's episode with Narayana Janakiraman was unfortunately cut a little bit short. It's a fantastic episode. You guys are going to like it, but I am a big dummy, and I I forgot to clear my memory card on my recorder, looked down at one point during the interview, realized we had missed um, some of the interview, had to fuss around with all of that, and so uh, it would have been a little longer had I not done that. Um, but it's a great interview regardless, but it, it just reminded me that I should uh, throw out a quick plug to my producer who does all the editing for this podcast and everything else, Ramin Nazer, who has to suffer through all of my many errors and fix everything up to get it sounding good for you guys. Go to Ramin Nazer. R-A-M-I-N-N-A-Z-E-R dot com. And you can check out all of his wonderful stuff. And in the past, of course, I've told you that uh, he has a bunch of comic books you can get. He's a fantastic stand-up comedian. Um, you uh, You can get his special on his website and watch many clips on there. He's an animator. He does it all. He makes all the music for his animations, too. He plays all sorts of instruments. He even makes games for for cell phones and uh, app games. And now he even makes greeting cards. Um, they're a lot of fun. If you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen me recently retweeting a few of the uh, a few of the pictures uh, from there. They're they're very uh, unique and and funny and um some of them thought-provoking and interesting social commentary remains a really interesting guy so you should go and check out his site and check out all of his stuff because he works very hard 
for this show. And he's in charge. He's in charge of this editing. I actually made I actually made 10 different intros uh, for this and uh, to let him pick which one he thought was the best. And um, nine out of the 10 were me cursing him out, uh, talking about what a horrible person he is and uh, and uh, just a very uh, negative uh, thinking about replacing him. You know, I could do a better job myself, that sort of thing. And uh, and then I made this one, uh, this one positive one, just to see, just to see which one he'd pick. And um, my guess is, is he picked this one to air, and that's the one that you're hearing. So see, he's he is in charge of this podcast. He's kind of holding it hostage. So if uh, if you guys all go on to RameenNazer.com and and buy your friends and loved ones a gift card you get 50% off each day on a on, there's a new gift or, or not gift card greeting card each day um he's promised me that if if each of you will um will go on and buy at least one greeting card that he will release this podcast from his captivity so please go to com and check that out and enjoy today's episode are we yes where are we here why are we here not entirely clear we are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all it's immensely bizarre here we Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I'm talking with Assistant Professor of Marketing at the University of Texas Arlington, Narain Janakaraman, who <laughs> just listened to me take about five whacks at his name and was very patient about the whole thing. How are you doing, Narain? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. I was uh, I was suggested that I should. Uh, it was suggested that I should talk to you by one of my first guests of the show, Morgan Ward. And uh, and she told me that that uh, that you do some really interesting um, research with uh, with the concept of paying it forward. That's right. So we have uh, a few projects. One of which is with Morgan. Uh, so thanks, Morgan. <laughs> uh, so how did you how did you get into studying um, pay it forward? I mean, uh, I don't know if you have to start at the, right, <laughs> at the right, beginning. Right, right. I, so it, um, I, I don't think it has anything to do with uh, looking at people paying forward or reading about it in the press. It has to do with reading an academic article about paying it forward. And then uh, it seemed cool. And some parts of it is over research, but other parts we have no clue on. And so... Then we started talking, uh, which is me and a colleague of mine. And then one thing led to another and seemed like a nascent idea. And it, uh, Morgan was one of the first people that, uh, when she was visiting Arlington to give a talk, we started talking about paid forward. So this, it, it's, it's, my, um, it's my understanding. And uh, you know, I just started looking into the research of it just a, a little bit once uh, you know, I lined up this interview with you, but it's it's my understanding that this is actually kind of a popular emerging field of of research that's right. that's taking off. When when did this uh, when did it start? No, I think it's 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 always been popular, right? So you, you think about um, uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, the examination of uh, what paid forward is, et cetera, has been done in uh, experimental economics and economics in the sense of reciprocity and generalized reciprocity. So let's say you smile at me, I smile back at you, you help me, I help you, right, is reciprocity because mm. there is a norm that if you help me, I help you back. But the fact that if you help me, I help someone else is generalized reciprocity, right? So let's say... Um, Somebody said something good to me today morning, and then I come in and I carry it forward that if some, right, in the afternoon I feel good about what I heard in the morning and I reciprocate that to someone else would be generalized reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And so that part has been examined to death uh, by various different people, and they've called it different names, uh, indirect reciprocity, generalized reciprocity, and so forth. Um but this has a huge bearing on, on, on how uh, society works, right, in the sense that 
if you have um, only reciprocity, that is, then only interactions where two people have, and if there's a quid pro quo, can benefit each other. Whereas if you have generalized reciprocity, it impacts the society as a whole, that you can imagine that a person can carry it forward to one person and then can carry it forward to another person, and then it impacts everybody that's associated. Mm-hmm. It seems to be the the, the norm. But uh, in actual functionality, um, what we examine is just a small little portion of that, and uh, every single uh, researcher uh, takes their own small little bite at the huge problem. Hmm. Um, yeah, it... it uh... <laughs> It's a paying it forward does seem like kind of a, a tricky thing to get to. I mean, there was the movie years back and, and, and since then, I think, you know, it's, it seems part of the, part of the zeitgeist that, that people understand this and they seem more consciously aware of it. And, 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 and now lots more stories, at least that I remember since before the movie of, uh, of, you know, going into a, uh, drive-through line or whatever, and, and people people paying it forward, which happened to me recently uh, in, in a uh, in a Starbucks. Oh, where, did it? Yeah, someone uh, someone was like, "Oh, the the person in front of you just paid for your thing," and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll do the same for for them." And which uh, sometimes is uh, like that's that, that's nice, but it's also like. This is Starbucks. It's a bunch of like yuppies patting themselves on the back while like driving by homeless people on the on, the, on, the, on the way out. But, but um, and and you know it doesn't always it, like uh, it, it's hard to. I tried telling my um, you know my credit card company that that I just paid their debt forward and you know <laughs> and, and they don't always go for it. So so sometimes it's not fully appreciated. That but. is true, um, but. You're absolutely right. So, for example, one of the things that we examine is this typical problem. So there could be people, and um, I don't know, so if you think about the world as people that uh, have communal orientation in the sense that they are more catering towards other people's needs and other people's needs are very salient to them. Uh, Let's assume that's one kind of person, that person is A, and then you have another person, B, who is more... uh, in tune with exchange orientation, right? So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, other, your need is not as salient to me as this exchange that we have. And, and if you give me something that's very salient to me and I'm going to respond back to that, right? And so if you assume that there are two kinds of people, A, B, um, there is this notion that the person A who is communally oriented, even if you give me something, because inherently in them, they're tuned to looking at people's needs and so forth, uh, if I look back in the queue and I find the next person uh, uh, looks like uh, they would very well do without my $4 coffee and could purchase 500 coffees themselves. The Lamborghinis right. behind you. And so then I don't feel the urge to pay it forward as much. Mm. But if I do see a homeless person behind me, then my urge to pay it forward or continue that is very high. But for a person with an exchange orientation, you can you can imagine that the fact that you've imposed them means that they need a release from this reciprocity norm that's being forced on them, correct? Um, that they're more likely to re- disregard the the person behind them, whether they have a high need or a low need, mm. right? And they're likely to react. And um, that's probably one. But we're also examining other things. So um, there's a study that's going to happen uh, at a museum in a month. So I don't want to talk about it uh, to that degree. Because no problem. I, th- I think there's, because we don't want people coming to the museum expecting paid forward. Right. But, but the idea is... Uh, we I, there, I, I, don't th- I don't think I have no, no, that no, no, many no, listeners no, no, in no, this right, area. Right, but, no, I totally agree. But, but, yeah. I, but I think the idea is that we don't want to influence any behavior right. before it happens when right, you're right. examining it in the natural context is all the simple thought, right? But um, the we've always been interested in this, that uh, if you look at Starbucks, actually, uh, if you if you Google uh, paid forward in Starbucks, et cetera, and you look at the images that come up, you'll actually see a few images that at least when I was researching for one of my talks, you can actually see images of a, of, of a Starbucks uh, 
employee having a small little notepad of how many people have paid it forward and is having this check mark mm. and that's gone to 25 and then says a 26 person and so there's inherent pressure that comes up for the next person right and then you hear in the news the 920th person refused to pay it forward so <laughs> right, i'm going to make my own decision this monster right? <laughs> um, but 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 our thought process is um do you actually do do you uh react differently if uh, the person paying forward was an individual or, for example, if it was a corporate-induced, right? So, for example... If, if, can you repeat if was, that? If it was a company-induced oh, or a corporate-induced, company right? Okay. So, if you, for example, if Starbucks subsidized the person paying forward uh, and said that, look, if you bought for the next person and it's, it's going to be only three bucks for your coffee rather than four bucks... Um, I'm sure that the person would pay it forward. Would I feel more or less obligated to continue the chain, correct, uh, right now? Because I see this paid forwardness tainted somehow by, one, the participation of a, a, a for-profit entity. And the second is that uh, somehow it's not my free will anymore. It seems like somebody is imposing, like I told you about the 920, the, right, the person who basically decided to say no. Um, so there's various angles to this that we're examining, but uh, one of which is uh, what happens when uh, there is, it happens in a, in, 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 a, in a corporate or a service retail encounter. If you make things that are uh, social, economical then or remove something that's uh, for example if i paid you five dollars to complete my survey as compared to i donate five dollars mm. on your behalf for uh, there's going to be a different response and we know for sure that ceos of companies are much more willing to respond to surveys when it's a donation as compared to if it is uh for them, because now once you put me in a mindset of what's my 20 minutes worth, then the $10 doesn't suffice. <laughs> right, if right. you put me in a mindset of uh, uh, what do you think uh, I'm helping, then that's that takes me to a different realm, right? Mm. Um, so I was wondering, going back to one of the first examples that you used of, of there's of, of people's orientation, um, I'm, I'm now forgetting the, the two terms. And yeah, yeah, an exchange. What uh, is there a sense of of what percentage of of people are are what? It probably changes too. I mean, I think an individual person probably has both within them and right. is probably affected by their Th mood. And that's true. Um, I think you know, it's a shifting self. Uh, I don't think we are truly hundred percent communal or hundred percent exchange oriented. It's mm. I think it's uh, shades of having more communal, less exchange, more exchange, less communal. And uh, through our learning and through our uh, uh, different uh, exposures, we probably migrate towards one to the other. But it's pretty stable in the sense that people that are communal-oriented uh, are more likely to be sensitive to other people's need. What proportion, I have no clue. Right. Um, I don't know if it's 50-50, I don't know if it's... Uh, 1090 or uh, in different places if it's different. We do know, though, that uh, um, in places where there are high needs, uh, people with high community orientation migrate to those places. So you can see people who jump on a plane and have gone to Katrina to help. Uh, if they've not done it for the publicity, it's right. because of uh, some inherent drive that uh, drove them to that. Mm. Um, so, so what are some of the other factors? Like, like, okay, someone, someone, um, pays it forward. I'm in the Starbucks line or what? <laughs> oh, back. The, the, the story before I get to that, just so I don't forget, it was, it was funny when you were telling me how, how, you know, you might be more likely to buy for a homeless person than someone in like a Lamborghini or whatever it might be. <laughs> it made me reflect back on, um, Someone, someone bought me a meal. One, a stranger bought bought me a meal one time. So, traveling, I'm often I often go and I eat by myself, and uh, a lot of times I haven't showered yet that day, and I I might be in my like I just don't really care, you know. And and so so I was like by myself in um, in Vegas at some restaurant, and 
and some guy bought my meal and I was like, Oh, what do I look that bad that I I need need this meal right now? But then I, I did remember I was like making faces with their their baby that they had with them or whatever. So I was like, oh, that's probably what because I was being nice to his his right, baby. Right, 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 <laughs> that right. made me feel a little better. Um, but I was sensitive at the time because I was going through an injury and I was on crutches and everything else. So I was like, I probably did look like someone someone in that need. That's true. Um, so the two aspects that you said. So if you take the one that where you smiled at. Um, his kid and he was being nice back is reciprocity. Not right, right. Uh, the other, we do know where uh, in cultures where this reciprocity norm is, is very um, strong. So we do know that uh, in Eastern cultures, uh, accepting a small gift, uh, so let's say somebody gives you a small gift and then because the reciprocity norm is so high that you're, you know that you'll be forced to give back Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't want to succumb to that, and so you prevent yourself uh, from succumbing to that by not accepting the gift, or if you have a choice, to refuse the gift. And so there is research that shows that um, in uh, interdependent cultures, in collectivist societies, uh, there's uh, slightly more refusal of these small gifts because mm-hmm. then you have just because of the nature of being interconnected, you are you will have to pass forward. And right. so there's this notion that uh, uh, you might want to give up this small gift. Um, so one of the things that we also study and examine is um, uh, does it depend on, um, on uh, uh, the culture? So, for example, interdependent, independent. So we are running studies in Singapore, in Ecuador, uh, right now and and in the US and 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 we do know that uh, if you do get it you're more likely to give it forward in Ecuador but are uh, then here uh, but here maybe the the drives or the motivation for why you give it might be different from why you give it in Ecuador and so we believe that there are at least two moral emotions that might be at play one is a positive one which is gratitude Mm. Another one's a negative one, which is guilt, and so you can imagine that um, that your feeling of being indebted to someone would make you feel guilty if you don't if you don't pass it forward. Whereas the other one is that you feel a sense of gratitude or a positive emotion run mm. through you, and so that's what's making you pay forward. Mm. And 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 uh, one of our studies that we have and we are examining that we don't have it yet at a paper level but we've drawn three four studies and we think we and we believe that uh in uh, let's say in collectivist societies etc because this indebtedness this reciprocity norm is so strong that imposing it more actually makes you react the opposite way and so you are much more likely to pay it forward if if there's no obligation to pay it forward you feel a sense of gratitude Whereas in the U.S., uh, having a sense of paying it forward, uh, right, uh, uh, makes you more likely to. So, if, for example, on the check, somebody wrote for you and said, thank you, paid forward, as compared to thank you, right? Mm. Which one would drive your behavior? We don't have accurate data for that just yet. But my sense would be that because the reciprocity norm is not as strong, that imposing it would not be seen as a negative thing. But I'm sure there's a boundary condition under which we flip and we say, it's against my free will. Mm. Now I'm being forced to react. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it's it sort of, as far as the reciprocity rep- 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 part goes, I was, uh, like, often, I, I mean, I've, I've been on the other end of this as well, but, um, you know, I, I have a a roommate who I, I do a little better than financially. And I'm also just, a, I like, you know, good meals a, a bit more. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, like I'll buy, I'll buy him a nice meal or whatever once in a while, because otherwise I couldn't get him to go to a nice <laughs> meal with 
And, but oftentimes, you know, if there's been a couple of those recently, it'll be like, oh, no, 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 because he doesn't want to feel obligated to have to because he can't really afford to right. uh, be spending that. And, and, then, and then, but also you can understand kind of the, the other end. Of, I guess it kind of all adds to itself because uh, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this at the bar where you're, you're buying people drinks or whatever and you bought like four or five rounds in a row and, and no one else has bought the and all of a sudden it's like hey what's going on guys <laughs> no one's no one's so after a while of course it is going to uh, be a little bit um you know expected but um back to uh, back to one uh, another factor that i was curious about so i'm in a starbucks line and someone uh like we discussed earlier someone i'm a part of this pay it forward thing is it is it going to matter how long the line is behind mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. would you say? Um, so we've done some um, so other studies in terms of uh, trying to examine the number of people that um, uh, the line is passed through before it gets to you and the number of people after you, and if, if it's a visible line. So obviously an invisible line where you don't know, let's say you're ordering on the phone, it's an invisible line, you don't know how many other people are going to get it. And if I basically, or if I'm at a restaurant and these are called, uh, I think, hung checks or whatever it was, that you can pay for someone else coming three days from now. And so, mm-hmm. you, you, so you can't see the visible cue of what's going to happen three days from now. I think it's very different. Um, one thing we did find is that the guilt... Um, parameter is much bigger than uh, the the warm glow or the social right uh, benefit that you can get from 20 people paying it forward mm. uh, so we do find that the guilt is much higher and so that's probably what's driving this mm. but uh, in different societies should you impose the guilt or not that's a different one that we address uh, but it seems the case that it is uh, this somebody helping you and you being stuck with some good that you did you either think you deserve or you don't deserve but then not having a pressure valve that releases it means that for some people it's going to grow and for others uh, so you're probably waiting for the right occasion to help someone else back mm-hmm. maybe somebody helped you when you were 18 and and uh you're thinking when you see another 18 year old that needs help that comes back yeah uh, yeah and uh, yeah this ha- this happened uh, you know i told this uh, the person in vegas that bought me the meal well it was it had been on my mind ever since and probably like six months later i was in a restaurant that only took cash and then there's no sign on the door or whatever and this couple was was like just hit with that and they didn't have cash or anything and so that i was like oh here's my opportunity to pay it forward but it was i was struck by how long that that little act had stuck with me you know and and i was kind of waiting for this opportunity for for the time to do that and it's salient most of these kinds of acts are salient and if it's salient enough uh, it probably registers better in your memory that uh, and it's uh I don't know. So one of the other things that we're looking at, uh, um, we do know from uh, research that we have mental accounts. We open mental accounts, and mm-hmm. once we open these accounts, it comes up because of either an expense or um, uh, otherwise. And and then until you, that account gets closed, that account is salient in your head. <laughs> and so maybe the case might be that this account of indebtedness is still open, was open, and now that you've done it, etc. The next time you see another couple, you don't feel as obligated, but you might. But that might be because of a different phenomena, which is that you're just, if you pay, if you've donated once, you're more likely to donate a second time. But that's foot in the door. That's basically familiarity. That's a different reason why you donate. It's not because of this indebtedness that's forcing you to mm. suck them back. Huh. That's that's really interesting. I never thought about it like that. That's, huh? It, it's it's almost similar to how how you have you know a number of regrets in your life or whatever or these memories of this time that you embarrassed yourself, and then there's this one time where you do something where it's like, 
oh, now I'm at peace with <laughs> with that. Right. Um, uh, so could you talk a little bit about uh, maybe a little bit about how some of the methodology, like, like what, how specifically are you testing some of these things? If you want to use just one of your studies in sure. particular. And um, so we do uh, two or three approaches to this. The first is scenario studies where you provide people scenarios. You, 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 and uh, let's say you have a group of people that randomly put to seeing one of those scenarios and then they react to those scenarios. So you can imagine that for one of our studies, we had people reacting to either two people the photograph had, they were shown where they were in the queue, they received a free coffee, and they were told there were two people in the queue or 20 people in the queue, and they saw two people or 20 people standing behind them. And uh, you were randomly put into one of these. And then you were either told that the person, and, and we actually showed whether the person behind you had your school's jersey or the other school's jersey mm. to... to um, to prime in-group versus out-group, and would you be more willing to help an out-group member or an in-group member? Um, so that would be a, one of the kinds of studies that we did. And our finding was that basically um, you're more likely to help uh, an out-group if the number is less than if it's more. Uh, because you think of people as individuals now, you're not thinking of them ah, as a group, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the the size of the group doesn't matter if it's an in-group. Uh, if it's an in-group, mm. then uh, you're more likely to, equally likely to help as it is with two people as 200 people. Um, so that's uh, that we one type of study that we do. Another mm. type of study is we bring people to a lab, and here it's an economic experiment where they're playing for money, where uh, they're actually told that they're put in a line, a computer puts them in a line, and they know that if they pass it forward, at the end of the study, they will collect less. And so this is an experiment. We do 100 trials of this, an experimental econ kind of study. Uh, the third that we are doing is just... Um, uh, these are called uh, implicit association tests where you react uh, and your reaction time. And so words come up on the screen and how quickly you react to, let's say, as on the left side of my screen is uh, uh, me and the right side of the screen is others. And if I see give or, or reciprocity, et cetera, then you'll slot them into these categories that are associated with either one. And how fast and what error rates you do uh, tells you about uh, your natural inclinations to what you do. And so we test it with those two. So there are two or three different ways that we're doing it. Mm. Um, so uh, what, what do you call it? Is it still called <laughs> the same thing when it's, when it's something negative? Like if, if you... If you insult some, or you honk at a driver, and then that person goes off and honks right. at the next driver, or is that yes. is that called something else? No, it, so 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 the it's very interesting that you bring it up. We actually react more to so do we pass forward positive things or do we <laughs> pa pass forward negative things? Um, there is research that actually shows that we are. Uh, some people are less likely to pass forward negative, and so we have this inbuilt mechanism for us to trap it and do it, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas we react really bad to negative, right? So if, if um, so you can think about generosity and greed. Um, there's uh, Adrian Warden, who's at uh, UT Austin now, and uh, a bunch of his colleagues. Um, they've found that, uh, if I remember the findings right, are you more likely to pass forward generosity somebody gave gave you 50% uh, of what they had or greed that they kept 90% and gave you only 10%, are you more likely to pass forward generosity or greed? And I think people are uh, more likely, if I remember right, um, uh, the greed part affects them more than <laughs> right, the right. generosity part. So I can very well imagine why people, uh, if they've had a bad uh, episode happen in their personal life, bring it and are unable to uh, prevent it from happening, let's say, in the professional life or the opposite, right? Something happens professionally to you bad and then you take it out on, yeah, the, your, on your partner or, or your family, yeah. right? And um, so the you could think about those as uh, ways that uh, we are unable to isolate an incident 
and react according to it, right? Right. Well, uh, I mean, this makes sense, I'm sure, to most people just intuitively where we've all kind of experienced that, you know, you you get wronged or you feel you've been wronged or something like that and you're you're in a bad mood, you woke up on the wrong, whatever it might be. And, uh, and and it just builds and it builds and you eventually got to blow off the steam. You might even know that you might even be consciously aware that like, oh, don't take this out on some, you know, stranger or coworker or whatever. Right. But but no one is ever like, oh, I just got to get this generosity out of me. I got I to gotta blow off this generosity. It's just been building up for too long. I mean, I guess that happens a little bit like a we talked bit. about. But I think uh, you're right, right, that the negative part, we are more sensitive to negative things generally than right. positive things. So we are more sensitive to losses than we are to gains. So anything that is a potential loss to me, I react much more. We risk averse, and so that's why we behave that way. And uh, seems why we react negative to more to negative things than to positive things. Um, but in the paid forward context, uh, if you rec- so we don't examine it, but we're thinking of examining something, would be, look, what if the norm suddenly becomes that you're expecting paid forward? That. <laughs> You're standing in line, everybody before me has got a free coffee, and I'm here, the guy before me refused to give me a free coffee, and I'm stuck without a free coffee, and I've seen 25 people before me get a free coffee, and now what do I do? Do I start the chain again? Because now it's become starting the chain rather than me continuing a chain. So we don't examine it. I don't know if there's enough for us to talk conclusively about it. But those are things that would be in the future, right? Um, so, and what happens if uh, the person doesn't, before you says that they won't give, but Starbucks suddenly decides to start this chain and says, the person didn't give it to you, but Starbucks is going to give the free coffee to you, right? And so are you likely to continue the chain now that uh, Starbucks has jumped in, or are you less likely to? Mm. So uh, I'm curious, since since you've been doing all of this research, has this, has it, has has this had an impact on on your life and the in the way that you behave and think about things? It definitely has made me extremely conscious. Uh, <laughs> so I have pulled out uh, my coins and made sure that uh, if somebody's looking for coins for the parking, you can pitch in, <laughs> or, yeah. uh, or uh, somebody is um, on a on a on a cash line when uh, they have a credit card pulled out. It makes you much more salient in how you can help. Um, but I think it's not natural to us, right? Because we are s- almost all of us are so self-centered that we're thinking right. about that things that impact us much more. Um, and a few things like this makes it uh, equally important to think of others, I think. Mm. And so so just, just to summarize kind of what we've gone over. So it, if you're a person who who is big into this idea of, of pay it forward and you'd like and you'd like to help spread it you'd, you you wish more people would spread it what what do you think some of some of the keys to um, priming a society to be more involved in in paying it forward might be right um, honestly uh, <laughs> some of it uh, because it's been studied in the labs um, uh, on 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 how uh, because the society per se should needs to be receptive to some of these um, uh, we don't know but uh, w- a couple of pointers at least would be that um, uh, the more obligation you have in a high reciprocity induced society it, if you do want it to carry forward would be to hold less expectations than more expectations you hold less expectations, the person's likely to spread it much more. Mm. Um, in, in in the and the opposite, right? In a in a society where uh, you think gratitude is going to be there, uh, and we've also looked at, for example, are you more likely to behave uh, paid forward to your if you get it from your friends and relatives versus from an unknown stranger? And we do believe that this unknown stranger is less expected, and so makes for this uh, warm glow to be felt much more um, mm. it's expected if you're right that uh, somebody close to you would help you in times of uh, need um, so if you are doing it and you really want to make it bigger for someone in terms of warm glow 
help someone that uh, is a stranger mm. uh, might be another point. Uh, we've looked at what if uh, the Starbucks was in your neighborhood versus a neighborhood that you've not been in, etc. Uh, in group, out group, the same kinds of things. Um, we do believe that uh, people will still favor an in group and would still help an in group and would be less likely to let numbers determine your uh, behavior. But uh, I still think there is some benefit to doing it in out group and, and letting that percolate, even if it's less. Mm. And I, I also think, um, you know, just learning about this research is, is uh, quite helpful and, and would, will make people more mindful, you know, the more that they understand that, oh, that's, that's why it's easier for me to get angry about something than it is to be, uh, to be generous. So, um, so what I'm saying, listeners, is have everyone you know listen to this podcast. Uh, so I have each one of my guests each week plug a, a charity, a nonprofit of their choice. So uh, which which would you like to? Yeah, my favorite charity is Charity Water, and I think uh, it ties into my theme of paid forward. They look for places that have where they can give the gift of water. And hopefully that then builds life and uh, the people that uh, benefit from that will then provide the gift of life to someone else. Uh, and so Charity Water would probably be one of my favorite Wonderful. charities. Yeah. Uh, so everyone can go to the herewearepodcast.com website and the link uh, will be on there and uh, or you can Google, Google it yourself. And um, actually, can I ask you one more uh, quick thing, just because I've, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, and I, I know we just have a couple minutes here, so I'll make it quick. But I wanted to um, ask you about this paper, the uh, the psychology of decisions to abandon weights for service. That's right. I, I, I just had a, I, I looked at the paper and it reminded me of this story that I thought you might find amusing. Um, and then maybe you could, you could tell me um, what affects some of this behavior. So this was, I was in the Montreal Comedy Festival like five years back or something like that. And I went with my girlfriend at the time, my brother, and my manager, we were going out to eat, and there's these rows of restaurants out on the street, and uh, there's there's three restaurants, and the one on uh, each end, they're completely packed full, right? And then the one in the middle is, like, empty, uh, which should have been a sign. Um, and, and we're like, oh, well, great. We don't have to wait. We'll go to this place because we're kind of, we didn't have all that much time. I had a show to do, blah, blah, blah. I go in, um, you know, four, actually there's five of us. Zach Sherwin, uh, another comic friend of mine. Um, and and uh, go in, five of us for a table. Oh, okay, we'll be out, uh, take a seat, we'll be out in a minute. About 30 minutes go by and we haven't yet gotten a menu. No one's come out to give us water or anything. There's one other group in this whole restaurant, one other table. And so then I go up, I, we are outside, I go inside, hey, can, can we get a menu? We want some drinks out here, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay, five minutes later, they come out with menus. Then, oh, oh okay, hold on, we're going to order wine right away. And then... And then it's probably about another 30 minutes, 40 minutes went by. They finally come out to get our food menu. And now we're st- a little bit stressed out. And, uh, and then, you know, we order appetizer, we order the food, whatever. And then another, like, 45 minutes go by. And, like, and we're like, we're, uh, I'm sorry, we got to we gotta get going soon. Is our food coming? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they bring out, like, our one appetizer or something like that. And then, and then like, another 30 minutes goes by. This, like, I've never experienced anything like it. And we're like, uh, I'm sorry, we're, we have to leave. We'll just pay for what we've got. No, 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 it's ready, it's ready. And they come out with an entree, and the first one they have is the wrong thing. Not, not at all what we ordered. And we're like, all right, well, we're paying for what we ate and drank. We got to go. And then they threw a fit. I, I, I go to get in a cab. We paid for everything. 
this this waiter comes and is like pulling on me and stuff. I'm like running late for a show. I'm like, all right, let's go in and talk to your manager. Let's get some reason in here. We go in, me and my manager go in to talk to the restaurant manager. We go in, and then the manager doesn't understand the situation either, and is, like, yelling at us for, like, le- like no, no, we already paid for it. I was like, really, you want to start it? There's one other table in here. You want to start a scene in front of your one other table? Next thing I know... The cook tries to, like, lock the door to lock us in, and my manager has the cook in a headlock. And that's when I knew I had wonderful representation. Uh, <laughs> you want a manager that'll get a person in a headlock. So that's the go. most extreme example that I've ever had. But if you could, if you could just talk about, I, I know we only have like five minutes, but I just wanted to hear a little bit about um, about this work, as brief right. as you want to make it. Absolutely. Um, I think most of our reactions to weights depends on our expectations. So it would be the case that if you were looking at the crowded place and your expectations were that it's packed, and so my expectations are I am going to spend 30 minutes waiting for my food. And so if the food arrives in 45 minutes, so the extra 15 minutes makes you upset, but not as upset as if your expectations were two minutes going in, which is what happened, correct? Yeah. In your case that you went into this place, your expectations were that you would get speedy service. Right. And and now each additional minute seems much more stressful. So we know that uh, anything that goes over your expectations has a very different uh, affective calibration as compared to anything that happens before your expectations. Uh, it's a different matter that our expectations themselves are biased. We we have optimism bias, and so we expect things to happen much quicker for us than it would happen for someone else mm. unless and until you have other uh, other ways that you calibrate that and so we are expecting if, if you have no restaurant experience you may not realize how long everything right. takes. so so the first i think is this this because it went beyond the expectation the expectations are short and 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 the other thing with 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 um uh anything that is a service failure so if you think about weights that go beyond expectations are seen as service failures mm. um we expect uh, we, we we try to reason out and so in your mind there's only two people that need to be serviced one is your group and the other group that was waiting and so your attributions are incompetence your attributions. so you try to find some reason for that and oftentimes the attributions are what you come up with but if they were to say, for example, the cook was having a heart attack inside, and and and, and suddenly uh, you, uh, ha- you you your attributions go out, and then you start to use a different reason for explaining this going beyond, right? I remember this old story of uh, a, a gentleman getting into a subway, and his two kids were very unruly, and all the people that are sitting on the subway were saying, can't you manage your kids? And so um, and so they were really upset. And, and as this went on long, they found this person was just thoughtlessly looking outside, was uh, not concentrating on what was happening. And finally, he looked up and said, sorry, we're just coming from a wife's funeral. And suddenly it struck people that there's a different point of view, that these kids have just lost their pa- mom, right, right? right? And the dad is uh, lost yeah. uh, thinking about it. And suddenly it gave a whole new perspective to this behavior. Mm. And suddenly the behavior didn't seem wrong. And people were actually feeling guilty for uh, right uh, yeah, for yeah. what they thought and how they behaved. And so they were making conscious attempt not to look at this and to give the person space and so forth. Right? It reminds me of the story that once you know the reasons, your reactions to the service failure are very different. And so it could be the case that if if the reasons had been provided and if the reasons don't suffice, then intervention needs. And so, for example, if the uh, service uh, place had offered you 10% off, uh, had offers you 10% off on your next purchase, or uh, you come back again, it'll give you a free for free, etc., then there's a way that they can make up for the service failure. 
Right. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe if everyone who worked in that restaurant had recently had everyone they know died, I would have accepted. <laughs> I would have accepted the service. Yeah. Some establishments have uh, weird notions of customer service, uh, and and and. Uh, should it be the long wait that makes you not go back there? Or should yeah. you look at the short set of people that are sitting there and use that as a heuristic? For- <laughs> right, right, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. Um uh, well, well, that's uh, that's wonderful, and and thank you so much for sorry sorry about the technical issues earlier. I wish we could have no had problems. a chance to talk a little bit yep. more, uh, but thank you so much for your time, Narayan. Thank you, and uh, this is wonderful. And thank you, listeners, for being curious. Make sure and rate, review, subscribe, and share. And I'll talk with you next week. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for rating, subscribing, sharing, all of that good stuff, writing a review. I know you're taking the time to do that right now. Um, make sure and tune in the next couple weeks, getting into uh, getting into some, some evolutionary psychology stuff. It's been a little while, huh? I don't know. You know that's my jam, so I'm pretty excited about it. I just recorded one um just the other day, I was in, I was in Fort Worth, Texas, at UTC, talking with Sarah Hill about. Uh, um, she's an evolutionary social psychologist who studies uh, life history theory, which is absolutely mind blowing. You have to tune in next week. Uh, hear about how how uh, here's a. Here's just a fun little teaser. Females in unstable and dangerous environments start uh, start pu- uh, begin puberty earlier on and and begin um, having uh, uh, sex more frequently and have more risky mating behavior, uh, just depending on what their childhood environment was like. And and so tune in next week to find out why and hear more about that. Really great, interesting episode. So let's talk to you then. say uh seinfeld was on an island yeah. and he was blowing boris karloff what would it what would that be like <laughs> it might go something like this oh mr karloff i loved you and frankenstein and i love giving you a blowjob why mr seinfeld i'd love having you 